You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben right there. He is the preacher who's a teacher of sanity. I got it right. You did. I think I get it right on this show. More, mm. I, I always mess it up on Sanity at the Movies. That's true. I have never successfully said you're the preacher who's a teacher of cinema. Very true. I always want to say the teacher of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think if you was a righteous guy, what can I say? Mm. It spills out of me. I don't know what you can say. My admiration for your goodness and virtue. Hey, Yay. folks, speaking of goodness and virtue, we have a little less of it because Jake's not here today. Mm. Sadness. Wah. Okay. Right. Well, I'm glad we covered that. Yep. Hey, so me and Ben were having a discussion off mic that I thought might be interesting to fire up the old microphones and have the discussion on mic. So I, I won't try and trace the entire discussion for you, but Ben had a good insight that I thought you deserved to hear because our listeners deserve the very best, don't they? They do. And therefore, <coughs> they deserve your insights. <clears throat> the very, very best. Well, we were talking about moral suasion. Yeah, well, I guess I could set up, set it up a little bit sure. to, to trace the threads. So we were, I, I won't tell you how, how we got there, but we were talking about censorship and we were having the age old discussion that dorky Christian men have, which is what would you do if you were in charge of the world and if you, if you were establishing your own sort of world or if, you know, in the perfect the- theocracy, the, what would society look like? What would you allow? What would you disallow? Would we outlaw? homosexuality me and ben do not sit around having these discussions no actually all the time we i don't know that we've ever had a discussion like this but it Mm -hmm. just happened to come up organically in this particular specifically because we were talking about censorship which is an issue that's near and dear to my heart (laughs) i just love censorship that's not what i mean (laughs) i mean it's an issue that i've thought a lot about because i do creative stuff i enjoy creative stuff i enjoy movies and books and some movies and books i enjoy are things that wouldn't that a just society maybe wouldn't allow or i could imagine a christian society of ages gone of of yore i mean there's there have been christian societies that have outlawed novels or plays mm-hmm. altogether so it's an interesting topic it's one that you have to wrestle with and you should wrestle with and you should give as a as a christian who likes the arts you have to wrestle with it and you have to give the other side some points i mean you have to realize wow if a lot of the church fathers were really uncomfortable with plays and things like this and they equated it basically with prostitution uh you got to wrestle with that. You got to take that seriously. They weren't idiots. Hmm. Now, that that being said, somehow we got on the topic of, like, if I was in charge of the world, would it, and somebody wrote a book with homosexuality, let's say, would I censor the book? Uh-huh. Would I? And it's, and it's a really interesting topic, especially, especially if you have some sympathy for the arts and some s- sympathy for artistic expression and, and these sorts of things. You, we want to be really careful because, but then as you try and be really careful, you end up kind of tying yourself in knots and not really knowing quite what to say because I don't think you can, look, I can't recreate and this, this episode is not going to be a three hour long parsing all this, but uh-huh. let's just say for the sake of argument, my argument is you cannot say you wouldn't censor anything. That's ridiculous. When you mm-hmm. see the degradation of our culture precisely because we, we don't say no to our artists, in, in large part because of the elevation of the arts, because of the 
sanctity which, with which we treat the, treat, treat the arts because we don't censor, we don't say no. Our culture is much more degraded than it should be. And that's just, you can't, you can't have your eyes open and see the world as it is and not see that that's true. Not see that, for example, Holly Weird, all the freaks in Holly Weird are leading the charge into degradation. And even there, I'm being a little ironic about it because that's the kind of thing that goofy conservative Christians say, and I wouldn't want to be lumped in with them. But on the other hand, I am a conservative Christian and Hollywood is wicked and they are leading us into decay. So you have to deal with that. You have to say, I would censor something, but then it's kind of hard and vague to figure out what? Do you just censor everything Mm -hmm. with sex? Well, no, then you'd have to censor the Bible. Do you censor everything with rape? Well, no, you'd have to censor censor the Bible. There again, everything with murder, Bible, Bible. Uh, So do you censor censor all poetry that speaks about the erotic? Well, no, then you'd have to censor the Bible. Um, You could perhaps posit a society where we just give the Bible a free pass and censor everything else. But Mm -hmm. that's silly. That's reductive. So... What are you going to allow? And there's a judge. I, I don't remember what the case is. Maybe some of our listeners will know even the name of the gentleman. But there's a very famous case in the 20th century. Perhaps it was a D.H. Lawrence novel. Perhaps it, it might have been Lady Chatterley's Lover. But but if not, it was James Joyce or or one of those one of those really provocative things that was in danger of being censored in the 20th century. And and the judge basically said this is pornography. And the the other team, I think they call them teams in mm-hmm. the legal profession. That's, that's yeah. the legal term, right? Right. The other team said, "Well, how do you know what's pornography? Like, define pornography. This is actually art. This isn't porn." And the the judge said, "No, it's porn." And they said, "No, it's art." And they and the judge said, "No, it's porn." And they said, "What's the difference?" And he says, and the judge said famously, "Pornography is something that I know when I see. I know it when I see it, and that's that's as good as I'm going to give you." And he's been mocked now for. 60, 70 years as everyone enjoys reading Ulysses or mm-hmm. Lady Chatterley Lover or whatever wonderful mm-hmm. piece of art he was trying to uh, restrict. <laughs> suppress. P- yeah. suppress. But mm-hmm. uh, actually, if I was that judge, I don't know that I would do much better. I, I mean, there's things that are really obviously pornography and there's things that are really obviously art. But when you start to get in the gray area, you kind of just have to say, well, that one's wicked and it's obviously intended to arouse bad passions and that one has other goals and also isn't even accidentally arousing bad passions and but it's still talking about some of the same things it's still evoking some of the same things so evoking some of the same feelings even and that can be really 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 tricky so i was just as i am now i was pontificating about Mm -hmm. this and then and then ben a little bit like ben's not younger than me but a little bit like elihu he's like this guy's just been pontificating forever (laughs) let me say the smart thing and just puncture this balloon of wet gas Uh, (laughs) wow that's really gross uh, a balloon of wet gas gas. so yeah otherwise called gas (laughs) i guess gas is just Uh wet there's no such thing as dry gas Huh. I guess not. I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. Yeah. Congealed gas. Anyway. Yeah. Ben's like, I'm going to puncture this balloon of wet gas. And so that's when Ben said the thing that I thought the listeners should hear. Well, the thing you thought the listeners should hear is that it had to do with suasion, which is not a word. We, we, we say persuasion. We don't say suasion. But suasion basically more or less means persuasion. It means, you're, it means using, using the tool of persuasion. Using, using, using the tool of bringing someone along with you, not by force. Not yeah, by the dictionary the definition is actually persuasion as opposed to force 
or compulsion. And that's mm-hmm. nearly always how it's used. Yeah. You're, we're going to use moral suasion. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of what, what many of us think, what's his face, Trudeau should have done with the uh, truckers mm-hmm. instead of sending in the goon squad to beat them with batons. He could have tried a little thing called moral suasion where he says, hey, you guys have some good points, but also this and let's talk mm-hmm. and let me bring you around. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Yeah. So that's suasion. Yeah. And suasion is what you want before you ever get to censorship because censor- censorship and the need for it, like Nathan said, we're not going to be able to parse and answer all these questions, partly because I don't know that we've really thought about it that much. Right. Like if we had the power as Christians in a society and we were going to decide what ought to be censored and whatnot, how would we draw lines? How would we define pornography as that judge was famously unable to do? Right. Well, before you even get there, what you want is you want fathers ruling households and you want church fathers ruling the church. And you want there to be, you want them to be using suasion to form people's character and form what they want so that they don't want pornography. Mm -hmm. They're not interested in consuming it if other people create it and they're not going to create it. And you want to use, you know, tools of discipline in a home and in a church in order to, to protect that culture, to give people bounds that you, bounds of decency, bounds of modesty. They're not going to just leave willy-nilly. If you do that, you have a hope of creating art, Mm -hmm. whatever, that's not pornographic because those people, those people are tied to, they're tied to their homes and their church families and the, the honor of Jesus. And, or or maybe they're just hypocrites that don't want to lose their social social standing in a society that fears God. Yeah. But either way, they're self-censoring. They're self-censoring, yeah, and that's that's what you want, and you want you actually want you actually want house fathers and church fathers to be able to do what that judge did and just say no, that's not acceptable, and I know it when I see it, and also you, you want to hope they can give a better answer than just I know it oh, when sure. I see it, yeah, but but that kind of I know it when I see it. If you respected someone enough and they and they warned you against something, uh, no, that's bad. Why? Well, it's it's this. Well, why is it that? Well, I know it when I see it. You actually, if you respected someone, you actually would accept that as a starting point. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't want a definition of pornography, a better definition of boundaries than that guy gave. But, I mean, how many times, how many times have have we even told someone no? Maybe someone we're discipling or counseling, and we can't articulate yet. Yeah. Why? Or we, or we can't do a very good job of articulating, no, you shouldn't say that to this person. No, you shouldn't do that. Why? Well, it just, there's something off about it. Maybe it's this. And you sound really dumb. And then later, maybe you figure out why exactly that person shouldn't. Or how often have we been told something? Mm-hmm. You and me personally, Nathan, no, don't do this. And we didn't get a full explanation <laughs> right. of the theory that explained the no. We just got a no. Right. And we respected those men or women enough to, to, to roll with that, at least for the time being. Yeah, it's the, the classic example of this is you have a young person that wants to date another young person and the mm-hmm. authority figures in their life say, nah, not, not that guy. <laughs> and, and, and the daughter says, why not? Why not that guy? And dad says, I don't know, but I've lived my whole life with people. I've lived a, lo- a lot longer than you have. 
and there's a million little things that I'm picking up on that I'm not able to articulate. Maybe he just doesn't look me in the eye. Maybe he has his hands in his pockets all the time in a weird way. Maybe, I mean, who knows? But there's 50 of those little things and they all add up to, I don't trust this guy. And my gut is better than your reason, sweetie, because my gut has been Mm -hmm. developed by a lifetime of reason and wisdom and biblical influence Mm. and good pastoring, all that stuff. Like, and and so I've actually developed my intuition Mm -hmm. to the point where you should trust it because you love me and I'm your father and we have a good relationship. You do. And, and hopefully I can do better than that. Hopefully I can articulate it and maybe over time I'll be able, able to articulate it, but you should actually trust my gut. There are people whose guts you should just trust because they have a lifetime of wisdom that they're drawing on. And very often in a counseling situation or a parenting situation or something like that, the father or the pastor or the counselor, or whoever, the discipler will say, I, I, I'm not really sure. And then they'll go and they'll think about it and they'll come back and they'll say, okay, here's the, yeah. here's the, but it's stupid as the pastor, as the counselor, as the father, as the mother, as the whoever, it's stupid to wait every time. Like, well, I can't quite put the pieces together. There, there might be a time and a place, depending on the situation, to, mm-hmm. to say, well, let me, let me just think about it. I'm not going to give you an answer. But especially with high stakes stuff, it's actually often good to just say, I don't know why this is bad, but I know it's bad. And so mm-hmm. let me get back to you on why it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Obviously, it, if you do get to a society again, which ah, I trust there will someday be where Christians get to decide what ought and ought not to be censored. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, you do need some hard edges and boundaries and rules. But before you get there, you for sure want an actual culture of modesty and decency and humility underneath that judge. Otherwise, what good is it going to do? Well, and the fact is, forgive me, I did not rehearse the details of this particular censorship case, but the reason that we have Lady Chatterley's lover today, the reason that we have Ulysses today, the reason that we have these Tropic of Cancer, these, these famous 20th century censorship cases, is because people wanted them. It didn't really matter what the judge said. People were going mm-hmm. to get the book and they were going to read it because their heart was pointed that direction. And our, as society, we were, as a society, our hearts were pointed that direction. Mm-hmm. And so the rule didn't actually matter that much because that judge didn't have people's hearts, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to create a society, might, might sound like a really high bar compared to the one that we have, but what you actually want to do is create a society where it doesn't really matter if Tropic of Cancer is available or not available. People don't want to read it. Henry Miller's not going to write Tropic of Cancer because he doesn't expect that anyone would want to buy it. Mm-hmm. And okay, we can't, we can daydream all we want about that society. We can't create that society, but we can work towards creating those families and creating those churches and creating those mini societies yeah where there's a level of self-censorship yeah that's that that's what you want i mean that's the aim of of moral suasion and that's the aim of training men and women to have discernment so they can lead others so they can give give good reasons have the right gut instincts about this is godly this is ungodly this may be acceptable i'm not sure this seems unacceptable i can't explain why 
Seems like it's foolish for you to read this or go see this movie. You, you want that level of things. Right. Well, and let me pull on that thread of moral suasion for a second, because I think that's a undervalued tool in, in, in conservative Christian, in the, what do you want to call it? In, in, the, in the world of conservative Christians who are reclaiming things like masculinity and femininity and the idea of authority. Like so many of us just grew up, we, we, we didn't even realize that authority was a thing. Mm-hmm. And then we finally go to a good church or we read a blog post or something. We, we discover God built authority and masculine authority into the world and pastors have authority and fathers have authority over their houses. Mm-hmm. And then we begin to reclaim these things. And there's the civil authority and, and we begin to talk and we claim. And because we didn't grow up with it, because we, many of us didn't have it, we're pretty insecure about it. And when you're insecure about something, you want to make yourself feel secure. So you tend to, gravi- to gravitate towards the biggest sticks that you can wield. And moral suasion does not feel like a big stick for many mm-hmm. people. And, and so the father who disco- rediscovers authority, I, I'm stereotyping wildly here, but I think we all understand this urge. He's, he's going to... I mean, how many people have I met who are like, they're talking about the rod of correction and the rod this, the rod that, and spanking is a thing that we do. Great. Spanking is biblical, not arguing otherwise. Mm-hmm. But has he given any thought to getting his children's hearts? Has he given any thought to loving and nurturing them and raising them? Or has he just been like, I'm an insecure mm-hmm. guy who, who's just learned there's a thing called authority. And so mm-hmm. what's, what's the thing that can kind of make me feel the most powerful, right. the quickest. Right. And of course, what happens in the worst of those cases is your kids get to be the age where you can't really spank them anymore, and then you don't have another tool in your, in your bat belt to pull out <laughs> because you haven't developed any of the other tools. And one of the main tools you need to develop is actually moral suasion. My words have power. I can speak yeah. It's why we have the ridiculous stuff that we like to mock about, you know, like wife spanking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's because there's actually husbands out there that are so insecure that they cannot imagine that they actually have the ability to discipline their wives with their words, to mm-hmm. call their wives to repentance, to say, sweetie, you need to do this and you need to not do this and to be listened to. And they they haven't figured out how to make that work, how to how to do that da- dance with their significant other, and, and there's pastors who are like this and bosses like this. I mean, I think we've all we all know we all know the one side of the equation. We all know the person or or the entire company or the entire or the family or whatever that knows nothing of authority and is just pathetic and weak and there's no discipline and it's just awful. Mm-hmm. And then we know the the reaction, the person who's just going or stomping around showing off their authority. Yeah, that's right. And But in order, to, of course, in order to develop those tools of moral suasion, you have to be committed to leading your home right. in godliness and, and wielding the authority God gives you for that purpose. Right. You have to be, we often say authority and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. Or there are there many people who have probably heard Pastor Tim Bailey say that on another podcast or in a sermon, maybe even heard Pastor Menzel say it sometime. Mm-hmm. That's because the kind, of, <laughs> the kind of authority that Christians have over one another is, is an authority that involves taking responsibility spiritually 
for those right. people, leading them spiritually, using your authority to set spiritual goals and standards and say what you want to see. And that means moral suasion. Right. Right. Parents have the rod. Governments have the sword. Pastors have the keys. But in all three of those cases, mm-hmm. you also have words. And each one of those spheres must use words too and must believe the scripture when it says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Like it matters. Mm-hmm. It matters. When you are a government authority, if, if you are a city father, mm-hmm. you know, if you are Justin Trudeau, to use that example, it matters what you say to people. It matters. Like you can actually talk to the truckers and you can do some good. He obviously doesn't believe that. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. We don't, we're not talking about the, the freedom convoy today, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, but, but, but the, I mean, the fact remains that y- y- you read the story of the kings in the Old Testament, and it's clear some of them understood how to use moral suasion. Right. Some of them did not. Rehoboam and being the famous example of someone who sucked. At moral suasion. At moral suasion. Yeah, he, 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 he polarized things to an even greater degree and set, set, set those who opposed them back on their heels so far that they just, they divided the kingdom. Well, it's fascinating because he's the son of Solomon. Solomon, very, lots of, uh, what do you want to say? He was hard on his people. He expected a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And yet everybody remembers Solomon as a great king. Yeah. Rehoboam actually isn't demanding that much more than Solomon already he is. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's being a jerk, but he's, 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 he's only making something that was already hard, harder. But it was already yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. And yet- because he's an idiot in the way that he does it and because yeah. he has no moral suasion, he ends up losing most of the kingdom and dividing Israel. But I'm sorry, what, what were you saying? No, that's, yeah, that's what I was saying. That, that's mostly it. Yeah. Just that, just that you, you ought to realize that civil authorities too need moral suasion. They need it even, you know, within their own cabinets or councils or whatever. They need it for the way that they manage the people under them who are part of the same governmental team. Right. And if they don't have it, they're not going to be very effective and their use of the sword will not be appropriate. Right. And exactly the same thing for fathers and mothers. You have the use of the rod, but that's not going to be effective if you're not using it in conjunction with moral suasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the same thing for pastors. They have the use of the keys, but that's, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose it's obvious to say, yeah. And yet there are rigid people all across conservative Christ- Christendom who want to run to the, the pull out the big guns. A- and then mm-hmm. with a husband, the thing that you have is actually moral suasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some other things, but you have moral suasion, basically. You have moral suasion and then you have, an, in an extreme case, I suppose, you have an appeal to the government who has the sword or the the church that has the keys mm. but your primary tool is moral suasion and i don't know it, it took me a long time to realize that my words had an effect on people the people that i could change things and affect things and the reason is you don't get instant results with words almost never i mean when you're arguing with someone almost never i mean there are some people that you can argue and then they'll say oh yeah you're right that does happen obviously but more often than not, whether you're arguing with your spouse or with a workmate or with someone in church or whatever, you, you say your piece and they say their piece and, th- and then you find out that they came around mm-hmm. three months later. And you don't get that movie catharsis 
very much, certainly not much as much as you want. But if you can re- be reasonable, I mean, wh- the best piece of it, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got is leave some room for the other person to come to your side. Don't argue hmm. them into such yeah. a corner. Yeah. Um, because I was so insecure and I wanted to be a man and I wanted to argue and have godly conflict and all this kind of stuff, which is good things for me to want as a young man. Uh-huh. But I would just argue people into a corner and just bring the entire weight of my personality mm-hmm. and of my cutting sense of humor and all that until they were just like in a ball in the corner. And surprise, surprise, that wasn't nearly as effective <laughs> as <laughs> being reasonable and leaving some room for them right. to come around. Even if, it me- even if that meant holding my tongue and not saying some things that I would like to say or, or accepting that they're, they're going to come 80% of the way there and not 100%. But mm-hmm. you know, 80% is kind of a win. Little, little pragmatism. Got a little godly pragmatism never hurts in these things. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I just, I, we have to have faith for our words and have faith that if we say things, especially if we use the word of God, People will hear it and it will have an effect and yeah, we can plant the seeds and God can make them grow or not. But very often in life, your, your job is to just say the right thing, say, say the thing that's godly and let God do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for, if you, if you grew up in um, a fatherless home or something, you probably, well, <laughs> depending on the way that, the way that your sin carried you or the way you were broken, however you want to put it, you... You may have found yourself either tending more towards a kind of hypermasculinity to make up for it. Right. I'm going to be tough. No one's going to get the better of me again, and I'm not going to end up being vulnerable. And that's not helpful, and that's kind of what Nathan was just talking about. And the other part of it, the other side of it is, I don't have a right even to say what I want of other people, because I've never seen that exercised over me, really. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what to say. So, moral suasion is like this whole idea that you should tell other people about what you see in them and what you expect and speaking specifically of being an authority over someone, being Mm -hmm. their boss or their dad or their Mm -hmm. pastor. Well, that is a skill. Knowing knowing that you, you, you have a responsibility to say those things. And then figuring out what are the words? Right. (laughs) What are the, what are the words? How do I actually talk to someone about what I see in them and what I want to see? How do I how do I even use that tool of moral suasion? Right. I don't have the words. I don't have the wisdom. I don't I don't understand how this works. Other people do it and it's like magic. Right. But that doesn't mean I can do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's almost that's I'm sure that's that could be another episode. Yeah. I mean, so much of this is just about having faith to to start. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good to have faith to start. It's good to have faith to start. It's also good to have faith to give to your favorite podcast producers. How's that for a transition? That was awesome. Yeah, I didn't like it, actually. I feel bad about Suasion it. Suasion in action. Yeah, Suasion in action. That's right. So, go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You see, one of my suasion tricks is when I feel uncomfortable about something, I can be a little self-deprecating just to take the sting out of I'm asking you for money. And I think that can be an overused suasion trick and uh, if in the wrong scenario it can completely undermine your authority and i don't recommend it for every circumstance but for a circumstance where it works and where it's good (laughs) it can be a great trick and there's lots of tricks like that but it's also good to be sincere so let me sincerely say that if you go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity and sign up to give it will help us that goes towards 
my salary, towards Ben's salary, towards Jake's salary too, actually, because we all work at least part-time for Warhorn. I work full-time for Warhorn. Mm-hmm. And it helps us do this work. We, we really can't do this work for free as much as we'd like. True. We need to provide for our families. And there's other good men that work for Warhorn and donate time and some women. So certainly our, our wives all rely on us. Anyway, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Give to this work. That particular Patreon helps us do this podcast. It helps us do our creative work like Chip and Lance and The Ville and stuff like that and other fun things. So I'll say it one more time. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. And until next time, stay sane. Stay sane.